Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship, especially on this Reformation Sunday. Did anybody get the mystery prelude? Everybody wants to rule the world, yes. Uh, ben Magdalene Bion's parents got uh, sponsored that for him, favorite song. Also, we're doing a, a food drive, and uh, you can put the food in the town square. We're having a competition once again this year with West Maple. Uh, they brought in more volume last year, but we brought in more weight. Wink, wink, bring in cans so we can win. <laughs> Shine the light tonight, 3 to 5, always a great event. Uh, women's Ministry is going to Hamtramck November 11th at the Polish Cultural Center to make 3D paper stars. Also, if you have a Woman of the Year you'd like to nominate, just check out what you need to do in the announcements. Pathways, our grief support group, meets November 1st at 1 p.m. in the town square. And the Sunday School, they're all challenged to make a Christmas card. We always choose one or two to send out to our congregation, the winning design. Also at Camp Restore, where we're very involved, uh, we are doing a workday November 11th, 9.30 to 3 o'clock. Chicks with Sticks is meeting November 9th, and they are making hats and scarves for the Detroit Street Mission. And November 10th, a history of Detroit zoos. So there'll be a great presentation with a wonderful meal before. And next Sunday is All Saints Day. So if you have a loved one that we are remembering and putting a candle with their name on the altar, want to make sure you come 1030 service so you can take that candle home. As always, we'll have opportunity to light a candle in memory of our loved ones. A very special service. November 11th, Broadway Review. Also, November 3rd, IZOSH, they have a guest speaker, and it's Women Investing in Women in Third World Countries by Giving Them Loans. Great organization, and Youth Group Halloween Party tonight. We rise for opening him. <laughs>
beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. so many fun features that are so much more age appropriate to them so that will hopefully encourage them to dive more into the word at an early age. This is a special day. Over 500 years ago, a man, Dr. Reverend Martin Luther, realized that the church didn't give people a Bible. Nobody had a Bible and it was written in Latin, a language they didn't understand. And so Martin Luther translated the Bible into their language, the German language, because the church wasn't failing to teach what the Bible was saying. And Martin Luther allowed everybody to have a copy of the Bible. And we've been doing this tradition long before I got here, and I've been here 25 years at Reformation to give our third graders a Bible. So hold up your Bible, and let's pray a special blessing. Dear gracious God, we give thanks for your word. It is a light for our path. We pray your blessing upon these Bibles that they may be used and read. We pray a blessing upon these children and their households and families. In Jesus' name, amen. Great job. I invite everybody up for the children's. That's the back. These little red beetles, they look almost like ladybugs, would come out. We don't know where they came from. And then they would die on the windowsill. And so to fix that, we tore down that old church. <laughs> and guess what? 
even though we destroyed that whole church, I don't know where the bugs went, I found some out there today. I think it's maybe a good sign, a blessing from God, right? Those little bugs come back every year. What, else, what other things we do every year? What's coming up? Halloween! Halloween's so much fun. Dress up and walk around and get treats. Everybody have a pumpkin? You carve it? Yeah. You got, I got a little magnet for you today. And it says being a Christian is like being a pumpkin. God takes you from the patch and brings you in. And there's a Bible verse you can read. Then he washes all the dirt off you. He opens you up and scoops out all the yucky stuff. He removes the seeds of doubt, fear, hate, and greed. He cares. He carves you a new smiling face. And he puts his light inside you to shine for all the world to see. Be the light of Jesus Christ, okay, at Halloween. I want to thank you for coming up. And where can they be retrieved? And the classroom's downstairs. Have fun. First reading for today is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 14, 6 through 7. An angel proclaims the coming judgment. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Here ends the first reading. The epistle reading for today is taken from the book of Romans, chapter 3, 19 to 28. A righteousness through faith. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous to, in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of the law? Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Here ends the epistle reading.
teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here ends our Holy Gospel reading. We'll continue and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God.
remain standing for the sermon hymn. Which book would you choose? 
<laughs> you know which one I want. So somebody came up to me after church at 9 o'clock and they said, well, I think Katie is beautiful also. And I said, oh, I guess it's the age-old question of Gilligan's Island, Mary Ann or Ginger. <laughs> Today we want to talk about Katie Von Bora. With that Von in her name, it means her family's of nobility. But the family's on the downward trend. They don't have as much money as the family used to. She's born in Eastern Germany in 1499. When she's five years old, her mom dies. Such a tragedy. Dan remarried. At age of five, Katie is dropped off at a Benedictine convent. Strangers to raise her. Can you imagine her feelings? Losing her mom. And now sort of dropped off, forgotten, uh, abandoned. It must have been awful. You know, but what's interesting, it's probably not where she wanted to be. So often we find that in life. We get in a place maybe because of somebody else's decision or our poor decision or just an act of God. And we end up in a place we don't like to be. But so often it is in that place that God is equipping us for great works. And that is what he is doing with Katie. Within five years, she's moved to another convent. There, there's talk. Uh, after a thousand-year hold that the church had had on the people, it seemed to be falling apart. A man by the name of Martin Luther was challenging the scriptures and the teachings of the church and all of culture itself. They heard about it, even though it's a walled area they live in. One of her friends, a fellow nun, Magdalena Stapitz, she's getting material that Luther wrote. She's getting it from her uncle. Now, I don't believe Martin knew Magdalena, but he knew her uncle. Johann von Stapitz. Johann is the master superior for Luther when he's a monk. And Johann knew that Martin was troubled. Martin was so troubled because the church introduced to him a God of wrath and punishment. And you better live a good enough life or you're not going to make it. He feared confessing all his sins. Johann knew his struggle. Johann pointed to the cross he opened scripture to Martin Luther, the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. Now, Johann would never join the Reformation. He would be faithful allegiance to the Pope until he died. But little did he realize he opened the gospel up to Martin Luther. The 12 nuns in the convent, they like what Luther's writing. They're discovering that they don't have to be a part of a holy order in order to have salvation. They're discovering that the church has been teaching them things that are not scriptural. They send a letter to Martin Luther. Martin Luther has helped monks escape. Now, it was illegal. Even helping them escape, you could be executed. But Martin Luther already had a price on his head. He didn't care. These nuns request that Martin help them escape, and he did. 
He sent his friend there, Leonard Cup. He often made deliveries there, a fish wagon. It was Holy Saturday, 1523. This is the 500th anniversary of her escape. Her and 11 other nuns, after Easter vigil, it was Holy Saturday. Easter was the next day. In the cover of darkness, got on that wagon and escaped. Three of them got to go home. Now, it depended where you live and what prince had power. In some places, you would be persecuted. But three could go home. The other nine could not go home. Now, Luther always felt obligated to help the monks that he helped escape to find jobs and work. He felt this for these women also. He found them positions, places to live, places to work. Well, most of them got married, except one, Katie. Katie. Now, it doesn't mean she didn't have any suitors. There was a Dr. Casper Glotz that proposed to her, but she said no. She also had a great love with Jerome Baumgarten. Jerome and her planned on getting married. Jerome went home to see his parents, take care of some business, and he was going to come back, and they were going to get married. The parents found out he wanted to marry an ex-nun. That was a no-no. We don't understand the culture at that time. That was a no-no. They forbade him. They made him marry another girl. She never gets word what happened. He doesn't return. Does he feel abandoned again like she did at five years of age? She had to hear it through a grapevine about a year later that he married some other woman. She was a strong personality. In fact, many were against Luther getting married, but some were for it, but they'd say, marry anybody but Katie. She wanted to marry this man by the name of Amsterdorf or Luther. You can see, she's, she's a strong woman. Now, Luther never planned on getting married. Martin Luther was married to the Reformation. And he always thought he was going to be martyred. He was an outlaw, price on his head. He, he didn't want to do that to a wife and perhaps if they had children. But they get married. In 1525. Uh, Philip Melanchthon, the right-hand man of Martin Luther, a brilliant translator, instrumental in this Reformation, he, he advised Luther not to marry her. Guess what? He wasn't invited to the wedding. <laughs> there are only five present at the wedding, including the pastor that married him. They got engaged and married on the same day. That's unusual. It was unusual in that day and age. But they felt if there was a period of engagement, there would be such protest and pressure not to go through with the marriage. Two weeks later, they had a big celebration, a parade through Wittenberg. Almost everybody celebrated. There were those who protested. It was thought at the time that the Antichrist would be born of a monk and a nun. You could see how that fit with Luther and Katie. Martin Luther's 43, Katie's 26. Luther at the time is in the Black Cloister. It's no longer a monastery, it's been shut down, but it was called the Black Cloister because of what the monks wore, their black outfits. Eventually that property is gifted to him, and that's where Katie and him set up house. Uh, Luther was a bit unkept. 
He didn't take care of himself. Uh, I read anywhere from one to two years when Katie got into that house, she discovered that his bed, you know, filled with um, wheat and stuff, had not been changed in at least a year. It smelled. In fact, a third of this cloister was uninhabitable. She said about redoing it, she made an addition to it, they rented out rooms. She convinced Luther, because she couldn't, to buy property. She planted big gardens. She had cattle. She had pigs. She even had a brewery. This is all that she learned when she was a nun. Uh, she had the ability to be a nurse. Listen to what Luther says about her brewing. This is a letter he writes to her. Yesterday I drank something which did not agree with me, so that I had to sing. If I don't drink well, I have to suffer, and yet I do like to do it. I said to myself, what good wine and beer I have at home, and also what a pretty lady, or should I say, Lord, you would do well to ship the whole cellar full of my wine and a bottle of your beer to me as soon as you are able. Otherwise, I will not able, be able to return home because of this new beer. Katie did it all. And within this house, they would have six children. And they would adopt four children. They would lose two daughters, one at eight months of age, the other at 13. They knew the pain of bearing a child. The household was filled with life and activity. At times, there would be 17 children staying there. And, and what Luther really does Remember, he rediscovers the importance of the priesthood of all believers. You know, at that time, to be a monk, a priest, a nun, you were above the lay people. You, you were nothing as a lay person. Luther discovers it doesn't matter if you're the Pope or just the lay person. If you have the Bible, you are equipped. You are the priesthood of all believers. And Luther truly raised the Christian household to something special. And he would call his home a little church. Is your house a little church? Does it dispense grace and mercy? Does it teach the word of God and what God wants for our life and what he doesn't? A little church. Luther also, once again, because the Roman Catholics look down on intimacy between a man and woman. And still to this day you have that thought it is only to be done for the purpose of procreation. Luther would sanctify the marriage bed again and remind us this is a beautiful gift from God. Luther also had table talks. This is in the evening after dinner. Students would come over, other professors, and they, they drink beer and talk about topics, especially religion. And guess what? Katie, this was so unusual on that day, Katie was at almost every table talk. She was always welcome. We even have a book on Luther's table talks. His students started writing down what he was talking about and preserved those great stories for us. Listen to what Luther writes. You know, he, he had three reasons for getting married. Make the Pope angry. Give his parents grandchildren. 
and to live according to his theology. A young monk sent to a monastery. The monastery's job was to translate their old doctrines and teachings and rewrite them. And the, the, the young monk realized that, you know, in the cellar of this building, there are older manuscripts than the ones they are using. And so he goes to his superior and says, listen, wouldn't you want to use the older manuscripts? Perhaps they forgot a word or dropped a letter. You'd have a better rendering of our teachings. The old guy said, that's great. He goes downstairs. He's gone for days. Young priest finally looks for him. He hears, he goes into the room and the headmaster is banging his head on the table. And all he's saying is, they dropped the letter, they dropped the R, they dropped the R, it was celebrate. <laughs> Listen to what Luther wrote. Until at length they were forbidden to marry and were bound to that insensuous, insensuous single life wherein they were outwardly polluted and defiled with all kinds of horrible wickedness as adultery, whoredom, uncleanness, sodomy, and such other abominations. This was the fruit of that filthy single life, referring to the priest. And this is from his commentary on the epistle of Galatians. He and his wife, Katie, would elevate education, not just for boys. The only reason Katie was educated well is because she was at a convent. She was going to become a nun, and she did become a nun. But listen to him write about the importance of ed education. But where the Holy Scripture does not rule, I certainly advise no one to send his child. Everyone, not unceasingly occupied with the Word of God, must become corrupt. Therefore, we must see what people in the higher schools are and grow up to be. I greatly fear that schools for higher learning are wide gates to hell if they do not diligently teach the Holy Scriptures and impress them upon young folk. 500 years later, his words still ring true. Without Scripture, without that moral compass, society will break down. Katie also helped Martin save money. Martin wrote, God has divided the hand and the fingers so that money would slip through. He was an easy touch. He always gave away his money. Katie, in fact, hid money from Martin because he just didn't know how to save it. And he would come up with pet names for her. Lord Kate, my chain, lady of the pig market, lady Luther, kitty my rib, my master, the morning star of Wittenberg, because she'd wake up so early in the morning to do all her tasks. On a few occasions, she forbade Luther to travel because she was fearful in certain areas he could be assassinated, again, for the reward money. She saved his life. She cared for him. He was a sickly man. Uh, he had uh, stomach issues. He had hemorrhoids. He had gout, and the list goes on and on. And again, her training in the convent of using herbs and trying to help him restore his health. The most we know about Katie is what Luther writes. He wrote this, the greatest blessing that God can confer on man is the possession of a good and pious wife with whom he may live in peace and tranquility, to whom he can confide his whole possessions, his life and welfare, and who bears him children. Katie, thou hast a pious man who loves thee for a husband. Thou art a very empress. Thanks 
be to God. This is one of my favorites that he writes about marriage. Let the wife make her husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. I like those words. Martin Luther would die at age 62. Katie, obviously her heart was broken. Luther did something very rare in that day. He left all his inheritance to Katie. That was unheard of. It always went to the oldest son. Martin Luther and his wife Katie helped change even our cultural understanding of roles of men and women. After Luther died, she continued to live into the black cloister until war broke out. She had to escape for her life. When she came back, the cloister was in shambles, but still belonged to her. But all the land that they owned was taken from her. Fortunately, she had the King Christian III from Denmark occasionally sending her money to help her survive. Then the plague came. She had to leave Wittenberg again. And she fell off the horse-drawn carriage, got injured, and that would eventually lead to her death. Supposedly, her last words were, I will stick to Christ as a burr sticks to cloth. If Martin Luther is the father of the Reformation, Katie is the mother. And you might just say it was a supporting role. Listen, without Katie, the Reformation that we know would have never come to be. I truly believe that. And so often in our life, it is a supportive relationship. That we're not the star, but we're in a support position. Maybe it's at the workplace, at home, at church. In Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. How important it is to be at church, to encourage one another. Especially if you're in that place like Katie when she was abandoned at age five. You're wondering what God is doing in your life to know that God has a plan. You know, Paul talks about the church as the body, a human body. Think of all the functions, members of your body. They all have a role to play, and they're all needed, and they're all important. It's the same. And often, we're just there to support. At work. By the way, Martin Luther would say our work is holy. He got that because the Bible says it. The church was telling everybody their labor was unimportant. Not holy, only church work, only priests, only nuns, only monks. <laughs> Luther said, your work is your calling. There is to serve God by doing your job. And it's in that support role, perhaps, the support role in the house of being a, a parent, being a grandparent, being a husband, being a wife. That support role that's so important. That's your little church. What about the big church, the support role? That each of us has something to contribute. Each of us has something to offer. You know, the Reformation continues now over 500 years. We're still a part of that movement. We're a link in that chain. We're still proclaiming a loving, graceful God who killed his son, who let his son be crucified so that we could have forgiveness. 
And in that resurrection, we know our sins are forgiven, that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. And to find the freedom that Luther and Katie so dearly loved and enjoy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We rise to sing the offertory.
Let us pray. God, you will never leave our side. What you have done for us is simply amazing and astonishing. You will never leave us on our own nor forsake us. You have our best intentions. What you said about us is true. We have value, we have purpose, and we are loved by the King of Kings. Today, we pray for those grieving the loss of loved ones, the family and friends of Jason, who was called to his heavenly home. Please keep his wife, Nina, and his two boys in your prayers. The family and friends of Janet Hogan. We pray for those facing health concerns, Rick and Carol Warnicki, Christine, Jeannie Elkins, Jeff Jones, and Anita Menino, Dan Hildebrandt, Michelle Erickson, Aaron Kritzman, Judy Mammel, Marilyn Stargard, Bob, Judy B, Jim, Izzy Sherman, Russ Swanson, Aaron, Brian Leahy, and Tony Kernett. We pray for those in hospice care, Linda Boyce and Etta Unruh. We pray that we watch over the people in Israel at this time of war, all those serving in the military, police and firefighters, all world leaders to be receptive to godly counsel for all those suffering from other health concerns and their caregivers. Prayers of thanksgiving today we welcome through baptism, Collins Kelly Thompson, and we pray for Rachel Klaus and Scott Carter who were united in marriage yesterday, and for all those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries. Our sanctuary altar flowers placed by the Klaus and Carter family in celebration of Scott and Rachel's marriage. All this we ask as you have taught us to pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace. Mm -hmm.